Welcome to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. We pray this message leads you both to know and show the love of Christ in all areas of life. We will now dive into our scripture reading, followed by this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be here with you today. I'm always honored to worship with you all here at Redeemer East Harlem, uh, even though it's under less than ideal circumstances. I have a lot of respect and admiration for what you're all doing here, uh, and so really glad to be here. I was reading an article on the Wall Street Journal this past week. It was titled, The Week America Called Sick, Called in Sick. It feels like everyone, uh, everyone we know, so many people are calling in sick this week. Uh, prayers go out to Pastor Justin, his family, um, as well as any others in the congregation who are out sick this week. But it's a gift to be able to worship together, whether you're here in person or worshiping with us online. Uh, today, I want to speak to you. We're going to take a little break from, uh, I know you guys have been going through a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, Thy Kingdom Come. Uh, but today, I wanted to speak to you as we, uh, still in the beginning of a new year, and a year that's already kind of uh, throwing us off a little bit, but we've been used to that for the past couple years. Uh, but one of the things we need to be able to uh, get through life and to be able to face the different curveballs and unexpected challenges that the world throws our way is we need true friends in our lives. Uh, we need friends who get us, who understand us, and who will stick with us, not just in one season, but stay with us. Uh, even when times get tough, even when things take a turn for the worse, who will stay with us, who will walk with us through life's ups and downs. And that's the kind of friendship that we have available in Jesus. And so today I want to talk to you about friendship with God, friendship with Jesus. Um, and we are looking at John chapter 15, verse 9 through 17. And so uh, let me read that for us. I'm not sure if that's up on the screen, but let me read it. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. This is God's word. So we're looking at friendship with Jesus, and we're going to see five things from the passage today. We're going to see, uh, first, that friendship with God is continual, it's radical, it's conditional, it's personal, and it's missional. Five things. That's a lot, right? So we better get started. Okay, we're going to move kind of quickly. So first, friendship with God is continual. The passage we just read from John 15 is actually part of Jesus' final parting words to his disciples right before he knows he's about to be taken away and put to death and crucified on the cross. And so uh, that, that goes from John chapter 13 to 16, 
And if you know any key leader in any movement, when they know that they're about to pass from the scene, when they know that their time has come, they share some final parting words, some final important things that they want their followers to remember and to continue to live by. Uh, they want to encourage their followers and strengthen them to carry on the purpose for which they gave their life. And so that's what Jesus is doing here. He's basically telling his disciples, my time has come. I'm about to leave you all, but don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Even though you're going to be alone, I'm not actually leaving you alone. I'm going to continue to be with you. That my presence with you continues on. And we see here uh, in, this, in this farewell discourse, these final words of Jesus in John chapter 14 and 16, Jesus says, my peace I give to you. In the passage we just read, John chapter 15, he says, my love will continue to be with you and my peace. No, uh, my joy. I want you to have my joy. So Jesus is like, I want you to have my peace. I want you to have my love. I want you to have my joy. And I want you to have my presence through the Holy Spirit, that you can know my continued presence with you. And so he's going to send his Holy Spirit. And Jesus knows that some of his followers are going to face some incredibly hard times, just like many of us have faced in the past couple years. But man, Jesus' disciples, some of them are about to be persecuted. Some of them are about to be thrown in jail. Some of them are even going to be put to death for their faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus knows, man, these hard times are coming upon them, but he tells them and he assures them and he comforts them that I am with you. Through thick and thin, through the ups and downs, no matter what you face, no matter what happens in your life and in your world around you, I will continue to be with you. My peace, my love, my joy, my very presence. My wife and I, we had a baby daughter last year, and, uh, you know, it's a lot of joy just raising a baby daughter, but uh, we just came back from a few weeks away. Uh, we were in California visiting some family, and we just got back last night, and my daughter was so, she was so disoriented, and she wouldn't go to sleep. She just kept looking around, and she's like, where am I? I don't remember this place. It's only been a few weeks, and she wasn't going to sleep. And any of you know, if you've had a you know, baby and trying to put them to sleep, you're like, oh, man, like this. But I, I, we, we sensed that there was some anxiety and fear, that she wasn't sure where she was. She was disoriented. And just being with her and just her hearing our voice and seeing our smile and assuring her, hey, we're, we're here. Mommy's here. Daddy's here. It's okay. It was able to comfort her and assure her. And in the same way, Jesus... He promises and he tells us in this passage that I will continue to be with you. That my friendship with you, I'm not a fair weather friend where I'm only with you one season or another. But I'm with you through everything you go through in life. That you can know that I'm right there with you. When Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. That we have nothing to fear no matter what life throws at us, no matter what comes, no matter what curveballs come our way, because Jesus is with us. He continues with us. That there's no valley, there's no situation, no circumstance where he will be absent, 
where he will abandon us, where he cannot go with us. You know, in the Lord of the Rings, uh, in the movie, because I haven't read the books, uh, but in, in, in the Lord of the Rings, you know, Frodo and Sam, they're going on this long journey together for a long, long time. And then uh, Frodo, actually, he knows that going to Mordor is very scary. It's very fearful. And so he wants to leave Sam behind. And he says, go back, Sam. I'm going to Mordor alone. And Sam says, of course you are. And I'm going with you. No matter where you go, up inside the mountain, no matter what kind of ghouls and what kind of monsters you face, and no matter what, where you go, I'm going with you. And in a similar way, it's a little bit different, but Jesus says, no matter where you, where you go, no matter what you face, I am going with you. You can know my comfort and my strength through my continual friendship. So we see first friendship with Jesus is continual, but it's also radical. Verse 15 says, no longer do I call you servants, but this, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. What Jesus is telling his disciples here is, hey, you followed me for all these years. You followed me closely like a disciple follows a teacher, like a servant follows a master. But I don't want you just to know me as a servant, know as a master. I want to bring you in as friends. And now I want us to grasp the weight of what Jesus is saying here because in our 21st century casual culture, you know, we have things like Facebook where we have thousands of friends and anybody that we've ever had one conversation with is a friend and, and all that. And, you know, Jesus is saying that there is a drastic and unthinkable barrier that's being broken down here because especially, uh, you know, if you think about organizational cultures today have gotten a lot more like, we, we dress down more than we did even 10, 20, 30 years ago. I heard even during the pandemic that people in finance were wearing jeans in Wall Street. But, you know, we're getting more casual. That kind of hierarchy is being flattened just a little bit, maybe. But even still, when, when you have a relationship with a boss and a subordinate, there's, there's a little, there's some power dynamics there, right? There's, like, a little bit of distance. And you would, how many of us would call our bosses our close friends? Not... Yeah, there's, there's a different dynamic going on there. You know, even in uh, many non-Western cultures, you know, I come from uh, the Korean culture, and in the traditional Korean church, there's like, there's a distance, and there's a respect that you show for your elders. And even in the church, your attitude towards the reverend, you would never call your reverend or your pastor by their first name. Like, if you did, the, like, the whole community would just be looking at you and judging you. Like, you know, who raised you? How dare you speak to the pastor and the reverend like that? There's, there's that kind of respect and a reverence there. And, you know, in the ancient cultures, Aristotle himself believed that a god and a human could never be friends. Two beings of such unequal and dissimilar natures, how could they possibly be friends? You know, and I know in a place like New York, we, we have dogs who are our best friends and, you know, all that. But, you know, we need to grasp how even in the Jewish culture where the disciples, they came out of the Jewish culture. And the idea that God himself could be our friend was something just so out of their minds. Even in the Old Testament, there were only two people who were considered friends of God. Abraham and Moses. That's like the Mount Rushmore of the Old Testament. And so for a typical person to 
to feel like, oh, God could become my friend. He could bring me in to a friendship. That kind of relationship, that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, I don't want you just to know me as a servant, know as a master. I want you to know me as a friend. I have called you friends. Do we understand what an unspeakable privilege, how radical that is, that Jesus, God himself, wants to know us as his friend. But that's what's being offered here. You see, friendship with Jesus is continual, it's radical, but we also see it's conditional. Verse 14, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You know, one commentator, Don Carson, said, however much God's love for us is gracious and undeserved, continued enjoyment of that love turns, at least in part, on our response to it. It's like conditional friendship. That's a little weird. See, we got to, you know, wrap our minds around what culture Jesus is speaking into here because, you know, this idea of conditional friendship and that we need to obey someone's commands to be their friend, that, that grates on us. That doesn't fit in with our modern conception of what friendship is. We think, okay, advice maybe. Advice that you give me that I can take or leave, I can consider whether to follow it or not, maybe, but commands? Like, I'm your friend if I obey your commands. That's not the idea of friendship that we have. But what we need to see here is that when Jesus says friendship with him is contingent, conditional upon if we obey his commands. What he's saying here is, see, every time Jesus in this passage, every time he talks about keeping his commands, he also says, so that you may know my love. He says things like, abide in my love, verse 9. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You see, this is not a cold and impersonal, distant authority figure that's trying to control us to do his bidding. No, this is the love of someone who is wise, someone who knows us, and someone who wants the best for us. You know, when my wife and I, uh, we got married a number of years ago, I noticed that she would often say something along the lines of, you know, my daddy always told me dot, dot, dot. My daddy always told me to do this. My daddy always told me to live like this. And it just became a running joke because I felt like her dad was with us. Like so many of the things that he taught her about how to live, she would just live out and pass along to me as well. It was as if his guidance for her life was with us in our marriage. And she, she delighted, she took joy in following his ways because she knew that he spoke these things out of love for her and because he wanted the best for her. And after he passed away a few years ago, she would sometimes play one of the voicemails that she had saved and listen to his voice and the way that he would call her name with such affection and call her to live in such and such a way. This is how you treat people. This is how you keep your commitments. This is how I want you to live. And she would treasure those words, and she would want to live out those ways. These were not bare, cold commands and directives, but they were his heart for her, for her to thrive, for her to live well, for her to experience joy in life. 
And you see, that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, I'm about to depart from the scene. But I want you to know my love that continues with you. I want you to know this kind of joy, this depth of life that I'm offering to you. So stay, abide in my commands. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not out of fear. It's not out of guilt. It's not out of condemnation. But it's out of love and it's out of joy. It's for our joy. You see, it's not that God's love is taken away from us when we disobey. No, that's not the case. But it's our experience and enjoyment of that love which is diminished. Like when my wife and I sometimes, we get in a tiff here and there, and our love and commitment towards each other is still there, but the air gets a little bit colder. <laughs> it's not as warm and fuzzy between us until we actually reconcile. See, in the same way, Jesus doesn't want us to live at a distance. He doesn't want us to experience a coldness in our relationship with him. He wants us to have a living and active sense of his love and his joy in our daily lives. And that is what is promised to us if we walk in his ways. See, friendship with Jesus, in a way, it's conditional. And yet, how many of us, are there any of us here today who are missing out on those depths of love and joy because we're not walking in obedience? Jesus offers us a better life. He offers us so much more in our daily experience of him. And he wants that for us. So friendship with Jesus is continual, it's radical, it's conditional. And then fourth, it's personal. Verse 15, Jesus says, I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. See, what's Jesus doing here? He's opening up his heart. He's letting us in to his confidence. He's letting down his guards. He's becoming vulnerable. He's sharing the deeper things of his heart with us. You see, we all know that special moment in a relationship where you're getting to know someone and maybe your relationship is, is warm and you're respectful and you're cordial and maybe you have good times and you laugh together. But there's a moment when that relationship can possibly enter a little bit deeper is when one person starts to open up their hearts and make themselves vulnerable. They're letting their guard down. They're letting you in. And they're opening up. And two things can happen at that moment. One, you can just kind of like look at them blankly or just maybe acknowledge it and just nod your head but not really respond in kind. And, you know, the person kind of making themselves vulnerable, they're taking a risk and it's like, all right, okay. Like, I kind of opened up my life to you there. But the second way it can go is if you actually hear them making themselves vulnerable and then you respond in kind. And you open up your heart and you open up your life and you share something that's personal, that's vulnerable. And it's that special moment, that special connection that's happening there in a relationship where you realize he's letting me in, they're letting me in. And I'm opening up my life to them. You see, that's what Jesus is doing with us here. He's beginning to let down his guards more. He doesn't want us just to know him as a servant knows their master. But he opens up his life. He opens up his heart. He lets them know about his sorrows, his troubles. 
that he knows that he's about to be put to death, and he shares things like, now my soul is troubled. I'm afraid of what's coming. I'm fearful. I'm letting you in. When he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he invites some of his disciples with him to see his vulnerability where he prays to God, my father, if possible, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. He's letting us in to his heart in friendship. But how do we respond when God does that with us? When God opens up his heart with us, do we kind of just respond blankly or maybe casually acknowledge it, but not want to enter in and respond in kind and cultivate that kind of personal, deep friendship? Because when God opens up his heart to us, makes it so personal this way, not just a distant, powerful God, not just a provider or a protector or a savior. God is all these things, but he also wants to invite us into a personal friendship where we can open up our hearts in response because he wants to know and he wants to share the deep things of his heart and we can know him in this kind of intimate access to the God of the universe is what he's inviting us into. If we would just respond, if we would take the time and the intentionality to cultivate this. See, friendship with Jesus is also personal. And finally, friendship with God is missional. You see, verse 16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. You see, when you let a friend into your life, when you let someone into your life as a friend, you're actually letting them influence you. Because so many studies have shown that what we believe about life, the way we see the world, our perspectives, is actually almost determined. It's revealed so much by the people that we're closest to in life. It's not studies. It's not statistics. It's not even arguments, however logical and well-reasoned and well-founded they are. No, but it's the people that we're closest to. Those are the views. Those are the beliefs. Those are the ways by which we operate our lives. This is how much friends, close friends, influence us. Now, when we bring Jesus into our lives, also as a friend, has his purpose and outlook start to shape yours? In your life? Has he started to transform the things that you live for, the things that are important to you, the things that drive you, the things that wake you up in the morning, the things that we're living for? Or are we still just as selfish, just as driven for our own personal goals and agendas, for advancing our success, our reputation, the things that we're so preoccupied by? You see, coming to know Jesus as a friend, it transforms the mission and the purpose of our lives. And his mission is so big that it actually requires our whole lives. It places a demand upon our lives so that we adapt and adjust to him, to his purpose, to his mission. Because Jesus, what was the purpose of his life? He gave his life to love others, to serve others, to save 
and deliver others. He lost his life to build up others. And you see, the more we grow in a relationship with Jesus, it transforms our mission. It makes us missional. It makes us join Jesus more and more into the things that he cares about, the things that he wants us to live for. You see, all of us, we want to make some kind of lasting positive difference with our lives, don't we? Like, that, that's what we want to see. Like, the things that we're, the work and effort that we're putting into life, we want to see something come out of it. Something that, not just fleeting, but something that's lasting. Something that actually makes a difference in people's lives. Something that's positive. And that's what Jesus promises us here in verse 16. He says, you thought you chose me, but no, I chose you. And I gave you a calling. I pointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. That it would last. That it would make a difference in the world and in other people's lives for my name's sake. You know, I was listening to Will Smith's uh, new autobiography that just came out called Will. Uh, and he talks about his grandma, Gigi, who he says was like the, the most embodiment of love that he, out of any person he ever knew in his life. He said, my dad was all about discipline. And my mom was all about education. But Gigi, she was just love. And how she was a devout Christian and how she loved Jesus, but she lived and gave her life to serve other people, just like Jesus loved her. And, he, and Will talks about there was this look on Gigi's face that I could never understand. I could never explain. And I asked, and I asked Gigi, Gigi, what's, what's that look about? Where do you get that look, that, that peace, that life, that joy, that feels like no matter what's happening around you, can't nobody take that away. And he said, even when Gigi passed, she had that look at the end of her life. Such peace, such joy, such life, not a twinge of fear or regret. And Will always wondered, that look, where do you get that look? And Will realized as he grew older, it was something he could only learn as he grew older, that no matter how much fame, no matter how much success, no matter how many number one records or movies or accomplishments, because, man, Will accomplished a lot in his life. And yet he was experiencing personal, family, relational breakdown in so many areas. And he realized, where do you, how do you get that look? And he said, the way Gigi got it, I started to realize she gave her life away. To serve, to love, to bless others. She didn't live for herself. And we know, if you're a believer in Christ, that we have that same promise. That that kind of joy, that kind of peace, that kind of life is promised to us because Jesus has given us that calling. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I've called you for a purpose. I've appointed you so that your life that you would have a mission, that you would have a calling to bear fruit, fruit that lasts, fruit that abides. And this passage teaches us how do you live a life that bears a kind of fruit that abides. That word abides. Jesus says, you get fruit that abides by abiding in me. 
abiding in my love, abiding in my friendship. So this is the call that Jesus gives us. This is the invitation, the kind of friendship that he's offering us, one that is continual, radical, conditional, personal, and missional. A call to abiding with him and living out his call upon our lives. This is what we need. No matter what 2022 throws at us, no matter what the future, whatever uncertainties, whatever challenges, this is what we need. Are we tapping into it today? All right, let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you that you're not a God who just wants to know us as your servants, know a master, but that you have called us friends, that you invite us into such a radical, such a life-changing, transformative friendship, such intimacy, such access to you, the God of the universe. And so, Father, we ask that you would help us at the beginning of this new year to cultivate that kind of friendship with you in our day-to-day lives, that we would know and experience your love and the joy that you offer us day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Redeemer East Harlem Podcast. For more information on our church and how you can support what God is doing through our church, go to www.reh.nyc.